Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. WBT, Brett Jensen here with you on this Tuesday edition of Breaking. I, I, guys, I tell you, I always forget what day it is. Tuesday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110. That's the telephone number. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen. So well, I think we're going into our second week of the phone lines being jacked up. So go to also what, you know, 704-570-1110 if it's busy. <coughs> Excuse me. Go to 1-800-WBT-1110. WBT-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. So we have those two lines going for you tonight. All right. So there's going to be a lot that we're going to get into tonight. And the first thing we're going to start off with, because we got Panthers that we're going to get into, and we got a couple other things we're going to get into. But I do want to start with CMS. Because CMS... Just when you thought things were going to actually go well and be good, just when you thought, hey, you know what, maybe things are headed for the best. Maybe, just maybe, you know what, maybe CMS has turned the corner. Oh, how silly were we to think that? Because that's Absolutely not what has happened. As a matter of fact, the absolute opposite has happened. And so CMS sent out an email last week. As a matter of fact, I even read it on air about, hey, we're not going to be having celebrating banned books. We're not going to be doing that. And so I read the email on Friday. And I know Mark Garrison has been covering you know, some of this the last couple of days. I get it. But I've got some more that I can add to it. So that's what I wanted to do because so many of you parents actually care about this. So I'm going to read the email that CMS sent out last week. This was on, I believe, Friday, maybe? It has come to our attention that some schools have planned events next week, October 1st through the 7th, to mark the American Libraries Association's Banned Book Week. If this is the case, all principals are requested to cancel all events and messaging associated with this observance. By the way, we're going to get into what the American Library Association is in a little bit. Most people don't understand that. And I explained it on Winnable, and and I've talked to a lot of other media people about it, like, here's what you need to know. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Banned Book Week is not aligned with CMS's academic curriculum or our pillars of excellence. 
It is not something we teach in our classrooms or as supplementary, supplementary material for out-of-school learning. Please do, not out of any please do not put out any communication on Banned Book Week or use school resources to promote or communicate about this observance. This includes, but it is not limited to, daily announcements on the loudspeaker, visuals on screens, bulletin board displays, book displays in the media center or classrooms. Additionally, please do not hold any book readings or offer suggestions for resources for staff and students. We're looking at you, Palisades High School. We're looking straight at you. You are the flag bearer of this particular incident. We did. You, you know what you did last year. You know what you did last year. That was such a big controversy. And that librarian that has a reputation that precedes her. Please be sure to communicate this to all teachers and staff. Under the Parents' Bill of Rights, any attempt to share material in relation to the banned book week could be seen as a violation of the measure. Thank you for your cooperation. So, that was sent to principals. Sent to principals. All right? Now, again, saying it is not something that we teach in our classrooms, does not align with CMS academic curriculum, or the pillars of excellence. Please do not send any communications about this. Do not use any of this. Do not have displays like you did last year at Palisades High School. Where the principal was had to have been fully involved in, hey, let's promote all the books that have been banned. Let's get our students aware of all the books that have been banned. Because let, let me ask you a question. This is more of a rhetorical question. Tell a 16-year-old not to read something, what's going to happen? They're going to read it. And they're going to do everything in their power to read it. We all do it. We all did it. Especially boys. We all did it. So you got that. So I just read to you that email, right? Well... CMS came out with this. In lane seven in the backstroke event, CMS. CMS in the backstroke. Sent out this email. The American Library Association's Banned Book Week has been in existence since 1982 and takes place between October 1st and October 7th. First of all, the fact that it's been in place since 1982 the American Library Association trying to promote banned books, that, that tells you a lot right there. The original message sent Friday, September 29th, was sent in error, and the subsequent message was intended to serve as clarification. As we have done in previous years, we will provide support to our schools as needed on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, CMS says to Mark Garrison, my bad. We actually sent out the wrong email. I'm going to tell you why when we return. That is a blatant lie. It's just a lie. And I think a lot of you people understand that a lot of my reputation is built on breaking the news as CMS. 
all they're good, and mostly all they're bad over the last three years. No one's broken more stories anywhere near what I've done on CMS. That's not bragging. It's just a fact. So when I tell you next segment, realities, the truth, you'll understand that I've got this from a lot of different people. So when we come back, what's really going on with CMS and, hey, we're not having banned book week. Oh, wait, maybe we are. We'll talk about that when we return. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. We got two phone lines. That's it. Sorry about that. Um, all right. So, guys, you heard me talk about the situation going on with CMS last week about the banned book week. So I read you the two email responses, one they sent to principals and one going, hey, our bad. We accidentally sent it out. So I'm going to tell you why that's just just a hundred percent not true. It's a hundred percent not true. It's a lie. It's not true. Here's why. So the communication staff at CMS. Here's how things have always worked there. Always. And it hasn't changed. If I have a question about something or an issue about something. Like what happened today with the bus with the pepper spray? Kid gets on a fight. Kids get in a fight on a bus today. While the bus is going to Ransom Middle School on the way to school. 30 kids. Kid gets up, pulls pepper, pepper spray out, starts spraying it up and down in the bus area. Paying, so... While it's not directly in anyone's eyes, it's hitting people. So 30 students were basically checked by medic. Nobody was injured. Nobody had to go to the hospital. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still just pepper spray. And I'm sure it stung a little bit, and it stinks. Pepper spray smells to holy hell. So, so when I call CMS today, they give me, I say, hey, all right, I want to know who sprayed the pepper spray? Was it the bus driver because there was a brawl going on and he felt in danger or she felt in danger? Like, what, what happened? And they said, no, a student sprayed the pepper spray. The communications team did not have to consult with the chief of staff or superintendent, Dr. Crystal Hill, to tell me that information. They don't do that generally when dealing with the media. However, when sending things in our office to like principals and stuff like that, 
they are told what to send. The communication staff just doesn't randomly say, well, here's what we're going to send. Today's a Tuesday. You know what? Today seems like a good day to send whatever to the principals of the 184 schools or 83 schools that are a CMS. So here's why saying it was a mistake was just a lie. It's just a lie. It's not true. There is no way on God's green earth that A, the head of the communications, who the original email came from, would have sent that out without permission. Now, let's say hypothetically she accidentally sent it out. Let me ask you a question. Let's just use a little common sense here. Because apparently, a lot of the people at CMS think that a lot of the media people are just stupid. And I got news for you, a lot of them are. Believe me, I deal with a lot of them. There are, a lot of them are pretty dumb. But here's a little common sense. The subject of the email. Do you think someone just created that on their own? It had to have been dictated to someone in communications. This is what we say. This is what we stand for. You think they just randomly pulled an email out of thin air and said, well, you know what? This seems like a good topic. I'm just going to type up this entire email talking about banned book week, and then I'm going to send it out without getting directives from anybody about it. You think that's actually happens. CMS actually thinks I'm going to buy that. Other media members may. Other media member outlets probably will, to be honest with you. But I know better. I know CMS. I know the people involved at CMS. So that means something happened between sending that email out and doing the backstroke in the Olympics called CMS in lane seven. So what happened? Well, Principals probably complained because there are principals who are damn near activists. Palisades High School. There are also librarians, many of which, not just at Palisades, which want this to happen. Then you've got the American Library Association, which... We don't think any book should ever be banned. Okay, I'm sorry, then why aren't you promoting Hustler and Penthouse in the school libraries? Because a lot of these things are just uh, in the same ballpark in terms of vulgarity or pornographic. And I will tell you this, I'm the least offended person on this planet. Like, it, it's damn near impossible to offend me. Seriously. Like, I'm just immune to it all because of my job. But even I go, all right, should 14-year-old girls really be reading this? Really? Ninth graders? Okay. You really think this is appropriate? You're going to ban To Kill a Mockingbird, but you're going to allow these other books? Really? Okay. To Kill a Mockingbird, consider by many to be the greatest American novel of the 20th century? Okay. So there's also people trying to take credit for it out there going hey we got dr crystal hill to change her mind 
And I'm being told the head of the red, wine, and blue faction, which is far left, like they're the exact opposites of Moms for Liberty. They're the exact opposites in the far left reaches of the universe. Are going, yeah, we got to Dr. Crystal Hill. Yeah, we got that. We got her to change her mind. I don't know if that's true. I'd find it a little hard to believe. And if it is true, God help CMS. That's all I got to say. I don't think that would be true. I doubt it. But if there's any inkling of a truth to it, that a left group got Dr. Crystal Hill to change her mind about Band Book Week, celebrating Band Book Week in CMS. If that's the case, Latarja Henry, Ernest Winston 2.0. Here we go. Here we go. But I don't think that's the case. I really don't. So, was that email sent by mistake? Absolutely not. Well, let me put it to you this way. That email was not constructed by mistake. There's no way that was constructed by mistake. Maybe she wasn't supposed to send it. Maybe Dr. Crystal Hill was supposed to look at it first and approve it. Maybe. But there is no way, no way as I'm taking this breath to talk into this microphone that that email was constructed by mistake without saying what should be in the email. They just don't. It just That's not how CMS works. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Okay, so Kevin McCarthy started his press conference to talk about his historic ouster. I don't even think he lasted a year. As a matter of fact, I think it was like, what, 10 months, nine months as Speaker of the House. And the reason we are going to do this, and we spent a lot of time on this, the reason it's a big deal is because Gaston County native Patrick McHenry, who I've known since he was seven years old, and I know his entire family used to work for his dad over in Gaston County, he's now been named the interim Speaker of the House. He resides now in Lincoln County. And what does this mean for Dan Bishop? Because, you know, there's a lot of words saying that he sort of helped oust him. Mecklenburg County, who's going to be running for attorney general coming up. So here's the beginning of how Kevin McCarthy started his press conference. Good evening, all. You know, President Abraham Lincoln once said, I'm an optimist because I don't see any other way. If you ever come to my office, you'll see the portraits of Lincoln and Reagan. And I firmly believe if Reagan gave us advice, he would say, if you believe your principles bring people greater freedom, you should be happy about it. I've always been, I've always been excited that I've been a happy conservative. But I've always believed that I've been so fortunate to be an American. My journey to this office was something people wouldn't understand. I grew up in a town of Bakersfield, California, the son of a firefighter the grandson of immigrants. Parents worked hard, the youngest in my family. Didn't have great wealth and got out of high school, I didn't have great grades. Couldn't get a scholarship, went to community college. Flipped cars to try to pay my way through it. Went to visit some buddies away in college for a weekend, stopped at the grocery store to cash a check and I won the lottery. One of the first in California. It was before Biden economics, it was only 5,000, but it went much further back then. 
took my folks to dinner, put the majority of the rest of the money into the stock market and did pretty well. The next semester I took a break from school. I went to buy a franchise, but no one said they would sell me one. I was only 20 years old. But I learned then never to give up. So I opened my own business, selling sandwiches. Three things I learned. First to work, last to leave, last to be paid. I wanted to finish my college degree. At that time, no one in my family had finished a four-year degree. I did pretty well. I now had enough money that I could pay my way through school as long as I went to Cal State. So I sold my business, going to school. I opened up the local paper and said, be a summer intern in Washington, D.C. with my local congressman. I did not know this man, but I thought he'd be lucky to have me, so I applied. And you know what he did? He turned me down. But you want to know the end of the story? I got elected to a seat I couldn't get an internship for. I ended up being the 55th Speaker of the House, one of the greatest honors. I loved every minute. And the one thing I will tell you is doing the right thing isn't always easy, but it is necessary. I don't regret standing up for choosing governing over grievance. It is my responsibility. It is my job. I do not regret negotiating. Our government is designed to find compromise. I don't regret my efforts to build coalitions and find solutions. I was raised to solve problems, not create them. So I may have lost a vote today, but as I walk out of this chamber, I feel fortunate to have served the American people. I leave the speakership with a sense of pride, accomplishment, and yes, optimism. From the day I entered politics, my mission has always been to make tomorrow better than today. I fought for what I believe in, and I believe in this country of America. My goals have not changed. My ability to fight is just in a different form. You need two 18s. Unfortunately, 4% of our conference can join all the Democrats and dictate who can be the Republican Speaker in this House. I don't think that rule is good for the institution, but apparently I'm the only one. I believe I can continue to fight, maybe in a different manner. I will not run for speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else. I hope you realize that every day I did the job, regardless whether you underestimated me or not, I wanted to do it with a smile. I grew to enjoy you even on your toughest days and your questions. I could always tell what day it was based upon your question. Monday you would ask if I could pass the bill. Tuesday was whether the rule would pass. Wednesday was the greatest challenge ever to my speakership. And Thursday when we passed the bill, you didn't think it was a very big deal. And it all started again on Friday. You know, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I do believe, I got a new portrait in there too of Teddy Roosevelt. You all know the man in the arena, one of my favorite parts of it, who errors, who comes up short again and again, but there is no effort without error and shortcoming. Who spends himself in a worthy cause, who knows the triumph of high achievement, and if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. I always like to take a risk. Saturday, I took a risk for the American public. Regardless what anybody says, 
No one knew whether that would pass. The Democrats didn't want that bill. Yes, they pull a fire alarm. Yes, they do their conga line. Yes, they wanted to delay. But it was all for the American people. I could not look the troops in the eye and say I would not pay them. For those who spoke on the floor, I thank them for their positive talks. I don't know what those who voted against and said there was some deal, they were never a part of any deal. For those who said about what we accomplished, I'm proud of what we accomplished. From the Parents' Bill of Rights to our energy bill. But if they want to hold me liable because the Senate didn't take it up or the President didn't take it up, that's politics for what I know. But the one thing I do know, this country is too great for small visions of those eight. To any child that are listening and who are coming to visit the Capitol, this is the place I want you to visit. I liked opening the Capitol back up again. I liked taking away the metal detectors. I liked committees being able to work. I liked people being able to visit. I hope you liked being able to be back in. I think it was important that, that members actually show up to work as well. You know, to paraphrase Lou Gehrig, he said, I might have been given a bad break, but I truly still consider myself to be the luckiest man on the face of the earth. There's no other country that you could rise to be the 55th speaker, not get an internship, and be able to fight for the American public. So it was my greatest honor to be able to do it. I love my conference well. I love to be able to ability. I've been a part of the the leadership team for quite some time. We won two majorities. As leader, I'm proud of the fact we only gained races, only gained seats. I'm proud of the fact as a Republican leader, we elected more women, we elected more minorities, we expanded the base. I'm proud of the fact that for the five years I leader, two election cycles, we gained five more seats in California, five more in New York. We won in places no one thought we could win. The same thing you would underestimate me, you always said we'd lose each time around, we kept gaining. I intend to make sure that we gain and keep the majority in the next cycle as well. With that, I look forward to your positive questions. Yes. Oh, I'll look at that. You still obviously convey a lot of loyalty within the conference. We've heard you say approximately 10,000 times that you never give up. So I'm wondering, why not? Why did you make the decision not to put your name forward again and try to grind it out like you did when you won the job in the first place? You know, you need 218 for the rule, 218 um, to move forward. And I'll never give up on the American people. That doesn't mean I have to be speaker to do what I have to do for the American people. Um, there's a lot of things I could do for the American people. Um, but you know what's interesting? Everybody's sitting there. In today's world, if you're sitting in Congress and you took a gamble to make sure government was still open, and eight people can throw you out as speaker, and the Democrats who said they wanted to keep government open, I think you've got a real divide. I think you've got a real institutional problem. Interesting, it was in this room, after we had won the majority, I had become speaker less, and Nancy Pelosi came to me, she was speaker at the time on the way out, and I told her I was having issues with getting enough votes, and she said, what's the problem? I said, they want this one one person can rule you out. She was the only speaker to have changed that rule. 
I had the power to call the vote on her, but I never would. I lost some votes because of it. Um, and she said, just give it to him. I'll always back you up. I made the same offer to Boehner and same thing to uh, Paul, because I believe in the institution. I think today was a political decision by the Democrats. And I think, I think the things they have done in the past hurt the institution. When they just started removing people from committee. And they just started doing the other things. And I, I, my fear is the institution fell today. Because you can't do the job if eight people, you have 94% of, or 96% of your entire conference, but eight people can partner with the whole other side. How do you govern? And for them to make a motion on me because I made a decision for the country that they agreed with, but they choose to do the other, that becomes a problem. Yes. Kevin McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy having his press conference right now, and it's still going on. We joined it a couple minutes late, but he is still uh, going strong, and we'll, uh, you'll be able to hear, I'm sure, more of it tomorrow with Bo and Beth and Vince and Pete and Winnable. But he is speaking right now, so I wanted to give you guys a heads up on what he's saying, and you're hearing his thoughts about it. So anyway, like I said, it is – it has major implications locally because of who now is taking over as the interim Speaker of the House, Patrick McHenry, Gaston County native. His parents and family still live in Gaston County. My mom taught his whole family. I've known him since he was seven. And I used to work for his dad, of all people, when I was 19 years old. And still friends with his, some of his brothers and sisters on Facebook. And then at the same point, uh, Dan Bishop. One, maybe one of the eight that helped him get him out? I don't know. And what does this mean for Dan Bishop's future? Is he still going to run for attorney general? I don't know. Um, I have reached out to the congressman, but he's obviously extremely busy right now, so we'll see if he responds. But lots going on in Washington that has major implications here in Charlotte, Gaston, and Lincoln counties. All right, when we come back, let's get into a couple other things, including your Carolina Panthers. Not mine. Yours. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Stand and cheer for the Panthers. Stand and cheer for the team. The pride of both Carolina. All right, well, it used to be that after every single touchdown and after every single win, they would play this song in Bank of America Stadium when the Carolina Panthers scored. If that were still the case this year, it would have only played twice during the offense. Well, I, I will say they, they used to play it during field goals too, I think. But in only 12 quarters, in 12 quarters under Bryce Young as the quarterback, they've only scored two offensive touchdowns in 12 quarters. Defensive touchdowns don't count. 
And that offensive explosion they had 3,000 miles away in Seattle, that was Andy Dalton. That wasn't Bryce Young. So here's the problem with Bryce Young. And I talked about it earlier this morning on Bo and Beth. Here's the problem. If you look at this past week's game, I watched all three games involving the Baltimore, or excuse me, the Indianapolis Colts, the Anthony Richardson. I watched that game specifically to watch Anthony Richardson. He cannot throw. He's a poor man's version of Cam Newton. He, Cam Newton was a bad thrower his entire career, and Anthony Richardson's even worse. But there is a but to that. C.J. Stroud, his passing completion percentage isn't very good either. But there's a but to it. If you saw the first half last week on Sunday, he looked like he'd never seen a football before. But there's a but to that. And then there's Bryce Young, who has a very high percentage of completions. And there's a but to that. And the but is this for all three. Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud are taking chances. They're throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, are they going to get interceptions? Yes, that happens to every quarterback minus Aaron Rodgers, who never like threw interceptions. But everyone else threw interceptions when they throw in the ball down the field and taking chances. And so while they're maybe only completing 50 or 60% of their passes, which is awful, by the way, but they're still throwing for 300 yards because they're throwing the ball down the field. And they're taking chances, and they're leading their teams to score. Bryce Young conversely, is doing three-yard passes, four-yard passes, two-yard passes, screen passes, whatever, and he's not throwing the ball down the field. He's not taking chances. It's almost like he's scared to throw and have an interception. So he's being uber safe, and that's not cutting it. Especially with this offensive line, which is horrific. Horrific. So, and by the way, just so you know, the Houston Texans, A, started with a bad offensive line. They've got like, I think two of their positions are already on their third string because of injuries. They lost another offense. They lost a backup starting offensive lineman today, which means they're going to another third string offensive lineman at the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud. So, I actually heard this, so I'm not going to steal it and not, not give credit, unlike the Shot Observer. This, uh, this came from Phil Sims, And Phil said this. He said, look, Bryce Young doesn't understand that a 12-inch 12 12-inch separation between the receiver and the cornerback is open in the NFL. He's waiting for major separations like he always had in college, and that's just not going to happen. And so he's scared to what he thinks isn't open is actually open in the NFL. The difference is Bryce Young is extremely accurate, so he can throw that ball in that small little window. And C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson are doing that. C.J. Stroud's a much better passer than Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson can't throw. He'll never be able to throw. He just can't. Just like Cam Newton could never learn how to throw. He's an athlete who plays quarterback, not a quarterback who happens to be an athlete. C.J. Stroud looks to be a quarterback who happens to be an athlete. He's a quarterback first, athlete second. Anthony Richardson is the other way around. He's an athlete who happens to play at quarterback. So Bryce Young just looks gun-shy to make a mistake. And 
Yes, the offensive line's bad, but Bryce Young's not helping the situation because he's holding the ball so long back there in the pocket because he thinks, oh, wide receiver's number one's not really open when he really is in NFL standards. Then he looks at wide receiver number two, wide receiver number three. Next thing you know, he's getting hit or having to run for his life because Icky can't hold a block at the left tackle. So just a lot of – but like I said last week, and I'll say it again, and I said it this morning on Bo and Beth, I'm like, oh, my God, bro, that's a great point. Everyone is praising Tua right now with the Miami Dolphins. Just remember where he was his rookie year and his second year. He was getting benched every other game because he was so bad. And the Miami Dolphin fans wanted him out of the town. And now he's like the talk of the league of how great he is. So just you got three years to figure out whether or not you got a quarterback in Bryce Young. All right, everyone, that's going to do it.